0: Hey, everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you're listening to the Labors of Love podcast, getting ready to have a dope conversation with my guest today. She is a heartfelt leader and community care consultant of Chakra Kwan. I have my guest today, Quanita Q. McRoberts. Hey, Q. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) welcome, welcome, welcome to the Labors of Love podcast. I'm really excited for us to to just have a dope conversation that other folks get to listen to. So I'm going to start with you, like I do all my guests, and ask, what is your labor of love?
1: Well, number one, thank you for having me. I feel so honored. I'm so excited. Um, And yeah, when I saw the question and even hearing it, I'm like, ooh, it feels so intentional. Um, But I think that my labor of love as of recently, I feel like it's kind of shifted from my desires to create safe healing spaces and my desires for community care to taking care of my wounds to tend to the wounds of the world.
0: Mm. Taking care of my wounds to tend to the wounds of the world. Beautifully, beautifully stated. So when you think about well, let's start with the wounds of the world yeah um so many right but how how real. do you define how do you define that the wounds yeah. of the world?
1: I think it's still being defined um but how I'm experiencing it right now is like there will be these moments where um since I've been, more heavily invested in taking care of myself and prioritizing my needs and having my body really be the person, the entity to tell me and listen to its sensations. I've been able to meet those needs earlier. And then I've noticed shortly after that, a quotation mark wound of the world shows up um, in a way that I am equipped to handle. Um, so The first example, I went to see A Thousand and One Wishes, I believe that's the name of the movie, with Tiana Taylor, Um, and really talked about um, a young Black boy that navigated foster care and things of that nature. And I have some experience with navigating um, youth that are at risk, um, experiencing this, like, uh, not stable housing, as well as my own lived experience with um, youth homelessness and so I saw this young boy at the theater and I could just tell like something was heavy on his spirit um I checked in let it go because I've been working on codependency hey <laughs> um and then at the end at the parking lot um I saw him again and I heard like whisper like it's showtime, it's go show time um and I'm thankful that through you know probably like shared ancestors ancestors coming together making sure things are happening god the universe he was able to de-escalate and himself choose to go back to the situation from a more decompressed manner and i was just grateful i was there to like support advocate for him and it wasn't someone that wouldn't understand his anger that is rightfully so
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so i appreciate that perspective it, it caused me to think of a couple of things. One, like, words really do matter. And I have been saying something lately that I'm, I'm probably going to stop saying. It's true, though. I keep saying, like, Earth is ghetto. <laughs> like, Earth is so ghetto. <laughs> you know, like, sometimes I hate it here. And, like, it articulates the, really not even the anger and frustration, but well beneath that are the sadness and the the hurt the pain and the fear that I experience living on this plane um and so when I am regulated enough Mm. to treat earth and it's humanity that's dwelling in it and all earthlings that are on it and I can view earth the way I do individual people so I have this ability to look at an individual person take a deep breath and go like all all the things it's not what's wrong with you like what happened to you how is this a response to keep you safe and alive and avoid pain like all of these compassionate ways in which I can look at an individual person I'm trying to broaden that perspective to look at the whole, because if not, then I'm just going to be out here like, Earth is ghetto. I hate it here. Uh, <laughs> and, and sometimes those overwhelming feelings, like they're so real, but I really appreciate that. And to your point, the only way that I can do that is when I've tended to myself first, because learning that the, um. The thoughts that come to my mind and sometimes the words that come out of my mouth are more a reflection of what's happening inside of me than mm. they are what's happening over there. Mm-hmm. And when we don't realize that, then we continue to externalize everything. And I thought of I thought of this because there have been so many times when that line between here is my divinely given gift and how I'm supposed to navigate the world... And codependence, and here is how I make myself feel better by getting everybody else's business to make them feel better. Ooh, that line is so thin, so
1: thin. <laughs> so, thin. and if you think about it, for real, for real, tightrope, right? Yes. And and the, the truth is, if you own that tightrope, you you probably low key steps away from codependency. You know what I mean? So it's it's that decision of like grounding yourself so you're not up on the air on the tightrope.
0: Absolutely. And because I'm you can probably relate to this. Right. But I have this very elaborate um, internal ecosystem and Mm -hmm. um, like counsel people inside of me. And what I've been saying lately is they ain't no fool. Like they are adaptive. So as I grow and learn, so do they. And their (laughs) language grows with me. Mm -hmm. So before, if I used to say some of the things that I would say before, like, oh, I really want them to like me. That would be the biggest red flag, right? Woo, flying (laughs) in the wind. And I will be like, hold on. I don't need to do this just to be like, but because my internal counsel is so smooth with it. They don't say stuff like that no more. Instead, they use language I would use. They be out here talking about co-regulation. And and I and so, right? So I'm like, oh, yeah. And so I still be overstepping, right? So right now I'm learning, like, just because I see it don't mean I have to say it. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. And the other thing is um, <laughs> just that is this mine to do? Like... Mm-hmm. And learning, right, being, again, regulated and grounded enough to go be like, hey, let's, let's reason together, counsel, because I feel like y'all over here using the words, you know, I need to use to manipulate me to go over there. But underneath the motivation is still about us. It's not about helping them. It's about something else. So I I really appreciate your labor of love, the the tending to ourselves that needs to be done so that we can the mm-hmm. ones of the world without causing further harm because mm-hmm. that's what I think people miss mm-hmm. yeah you out here oh we're doing good work sure we are but when people don't understand how much we can do harm when we're not right placed right timed right mm-hmm. motivationed, then it that's why a lot of healers are hurting mm. right so I, I really 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 appreciate how you described your labor of love so How does that show up for you on a regular basis?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think about my journey of enjoying meeting my needs now. Like before that journey of meeting my needs was like, yo, this is like, you know, excuse me, this is is trash, right? Um, In the sense of like, Yeah, it definitely hits different when someone else meets your needs. But guess what? You meeting yourself where you need to be with your needs on a more consistent basis deepens your intimacy with yourself. And then you just start doing it. And then you think less from a place of lack because you know that you got you.
0: My cat has found
1: this boy. So I apologize about That's that. That's
0: okay. Your cat is trying to meet its needs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you know what? It's unapologetic about it. So when things like this happen, oh, yeah. I always be like, can we learn from from those who have not been socialized, like animals and small oh, yeah. children? Yeah. You know, oftentimes um, folks with developmental disabilities yeah. often talk about the liberty that they Aww. walk in. Yeah, Because when they have a need, they go to meet that yeah. need and your social constructs don't mean anything to them when they need to get their needs no. met. And how can we learn from that freedom? So what up Kitty?
1: Okay. <laughs> like her. Um, but yeah, no. And I think that's another great point. Like a good segue. Um, I feel like, like a lot of black folks, I am on this scale of like undiagnosed neurodivergence Which, you know, I won't go too far in my theories of things, but I think if you have a certain level of trauma and you have PTSD diagnosis, CPTSD, neurodivergence may be some of the ways that you navigate and cope. And so I'll say that from my lived experience feels very true. And I'm exploring that with my therapist So one of the things I do, and I didn't realize how much liberty was in it until someone told me, but I'll do one, two, three, when I need to reset, get a moment to gather my thoughts out loud. And someone was like, oh my God, Quintana, I love that you take that moment to gather yourself publicly. And it kind of like helps reset the space. And that was something that I didn't even realize I was doing in the sense, like I was just showing up for me um, and it allowed other people to realize like, they can show up for themselves unapologetically without being judged. Um, So little things like that, that you do for you, it's a great way to just say, I love you throughout the day. And pretty much, you know, it also helps kind of soothe your nervous system. So to your earlier point about our, our inner counsel, growing in our intelligence, the thing that remains the same is our sensations and our nervous system in our body. And I can have all this elevated thinking, all of these words, but my body will definitely let me know if I am reaching into the danger zone territory and I have to trust them sensations that I have been taught to dismiss.
0: Oh, okay. So much there. I had to start taking notes. So I didn't forget the things I wanted to say. <laughs> um, yes, yes, and yes. Right. You said something so profound that was like, oh, um, so I want to go back to when you talked mm-hmm. about meeting your own needs as mm-hmm. a mechanism of deepening intimacy with self. Mm-hmm. Um, so true, like so true. And what it got me thinking about is um, those of us who would use any of the the wor- these words to describe ourselves or recognize we hold the traits, whether it's codependence. Um, whether it's people-pleasing, things of that nature, so many people who find themselves in the helping professions and would use those words to describe themselves are seeking intimacy through helping. And when a person does not grow up building a foundational understanding that their worth and value is not directly connected to their ability to help other people, um when when someone doesn't know that like i am worthy simply because i am then we figure out well how do i become worthy and so mm-hmm. we learn the thing within our social structures that equate to worth maybe that's intelligence maybe that's athleticism maybe that's creativity for a lot of people it's helping and so that that help right that is an attempt for intimacy and I've been thinking lately I will see this and it it it, it does make me cringe a little bit mm-hmm. and I'm gonna put it it happens all over the place but I'm gonna put it in the very specific context in which it makes me cringe okay. yeah. it is the older black woman who has been churched who dies and as an honor to her legacy people say things like she was the most selfless person that I ever knew always put everyone's need before her own da 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 and I'm like that's not a flex y'all come on it's not a flex right because that woman that you admire so much did so much for so many other people sure but from what well probably an empty one And how many times did her efforts to help and support and put herself last, how many times was that actually a bid towards intimacy connection and saying, I'm treating you the way I want to be treated. But instead, we take it as, oh, that's she just she loves to do that. Oh, she loves to do. So we just take and take and take because for many people, we think we're teaching people how to treat us by how we treat them. Right. When in actuality, I believe we teach others how to treat us by how we treat ourselves. Oh, yeah. And so I thought of that, like this, this, this. So then when we are so busy externalizing the help, externalizing the support, externalizing all those things, our bid for intimacy for others may be returned. and may not. We find ourselves rejected and frustrated and annoyed because we don't get it. All the while, we're not giving any of it to ourselves. Right. So it is that 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 meeting our needs is saying, I want to be intimate with myself. I want to know that my needs matter. So I thought mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Did you want to say anything <laughs> about that? <laughs> before I just keep, before I just keep going on. Cause I know I'll be like, okay, so next on the list, but I'm like, pause.
1: <laughs> I loved it. I love because I can relate. Cause I'll be like, in another thing, in another thing. Um, no, I'm right there with you. I, I told my friends recently, I was like, one thing I don't want to be said at my funeral is I was a good worker. Look. For
0: listen, who? I tell people all the time, hard work is not a value of mine. Hard work is what capitalistic systems tell poor people to do so that mm-hmm. they can continue to feed the capitalistic system. Yeah. Right? And <laughs> I want to work with integrity. But Come this, on. I, but this idea work. of hard work, <laughs> I'm cool, not a value yeah. of mine. Mm-hmm she so, had integrity boom that's it language really matters so then you went on to talk about neurodivergence and you know mm. I I can't even say that like I've been thinking about this I have it but as soon as you said it it felt like I had been thinking about this for a long time so <laughs> yeah. I want to be clear right like this is I'm processing it as it's coming out of my mouth shout but, out to neurodivergence. Not just shout out to neurodivergence, but like, I think where I'm having an issue Mm -hmm. is the only reason neurodivergence exists Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. somewhere along the line, they have said, this is how the brain is supposed to function. Like Uh, it's not, divergence is an indicator of not like normal, not mm -hmm. like right. And I have a hard time with that because There is no like when we make space for all the ways that brains work, not because we have to already know it, but we believe people when they tell us and that Mm -hmm. we're open to the various ways, then we're not talking about neurodivergence. We're just talking about the way in which different people's brains work. And even in our attempt to like celebrate neurodivergence, I'm like, this is still capitalistic and colonized language. Mm -hmm and it's just frustrating across all spectrums that there have been these categories and boxes that have been created right because that is how white supremacy functions there has to be a hierarchy and a standard of human and everything everything not that is sub or less than and it's a genius in system if 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 i'm being honest because it keeps people striving Striving towards something which feeds into the other systems like racism and homophobia and transphobia and sexism, all the things, ageism, because hierarchies get created. So, like, I want to be respectful to those who have found language identity, Mm -hmm. and reflection, and acknowledgement, and validation within neurodivergence. Like, I Mm -hmm. want to be clear about that, but I Mm -hmm. also want to say, like, I'm sorry that folks had to go through all this, and are still going through it, just to be validated as a human being.
1: Yeah,
0: the language doesn't liberate. No, no, it doesn't, but I appreciate, And, and yes, to the point that you made, if you've experienced significant trauma, trauma Which again, I want to, I've said it before, but if you're a new listener, I want to define it. Trauma is not an event or a set of events. Instead, trauma is how your body responds to events as well as the responding uh, behaviors, worldviews, and Mm -hmm. beliefs that develop. So when we understand that trauma, anything that's too much, too soon, too, you know, too much, too soon, too fast, or not enough, not soon enough, the whole thing it impacts how the brain functions and forms. Our Ooh. brains form around the things that are gonna keep us alive and survive. So neurodivergence as a result of trauma makes sense. And then mm-hmm. we just live under systems that keep traumatizing. So well. you know what I mean? So it's it's a whole thing. So you said all of that. And then the last thing trust in the body. I I if if you're open, to talking to us a little more about because trusting the body one is not a whole not a thing that a lot of us were taught to do except during the potty training process Mm. and for a lot of people that was a traumatic experience too because the way the adults in our lives went around training us to be potty trained was whether they realized it or not they were dangling safety and relationship as a thing that they would snatch away from us if we didn't Mm -hmm. get it right So if you had an accident, Mm -hmm. the anger and the frustration Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. things on the face of the adult in your life indicated if I don't make my body do this thing or if I don't catch it in time, Mm -hmm. then I am going to sever a relationship with the person who's responsible for my well-being. Mm. We need to think about potty training that way. Right. For so many people, it's not a process of let's let's go into the process of helping you understand that the body has sensations and let's differentiate them. Let's celebrate them. Nope. It's this got to get it done because I'm tired of buying diapers and pull ups kind of thing or more. So you old enough, you should. I don't want to have to go out here and tell people you're four and five years old. The whole thing. Right. So it's a traumatizing. It has the potential to be a traumatizing experience within itself. But after potty training, when are we encouraging people to be connected to our bodies? So what happens for a lot of us is we have to have some big event happen to our bodies in order for us to come into relationship with our bodies in a different way. And so what, what has your experience been now that you're learning to trust those sensations as your body's communication? How did you get to this point?
1: Well, number one, I just want to say the whole potty potty conversation, potty training conversation tidbit, that just grounded me in a whole other way. Like going back to your point about like colonialism and capitalism, the one sensation we're telling people to trust is the sensation that you would be publicly ridiculed for if you didn't listen to it. Or if your body does not have the sensors to communicate, um, and and how we treat folks that cannot go to use a restroom and in their own um, capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, so that's just like, I've had to sit with that. My journey with that has been one that was a whisper a command, a yell. The whisper was about me getting more rest. And I leaned into that. Um, I've always been somebody when I'm ready to go to bed, I'm ready to go to bed, you know? But I feel like my sleep patterns are kind of all over the place. Um, but I feel like I've been able to adapt a sleep schedule that feels good and for me and my body in a level of consistency which I also think creates some really good sensations for your nervous system. Um, without going too far, sleep that is consistent is also really good for cortisol, cortisol levels. And if you are somebody that has, you know, enjoyed a lot of trauma, cortisol is probably something that you're going to have to intimately get to understanding how to regulate yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, coming back. the loud part was the moment I realized you didn't have to be hungry to eat. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that's layered. That's layered in the sense of, I think, fat phobia, number Mm -hmm. one, being a fat Black woman, fat Black child, fat Black baby, like, that's all I know, right? But I've always... Um, have been very told how I need to eat, right? Um, and when that didn't create certain outcomes that people wanted, because I now know that a lot of the fat stored on my body is cortisol and protection.
0: Um, um, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so that, that, that impacted the way that I relate with food. Um, as far as myself and consumption of it, not like cooking and things like that. But I would think I would have to be starving to eat. I'm not hungry yet, I don't need to eat lunch yet. I'm not hungry yet, I don't need to eat dinner yet. But then I tried it one time. I will never forget, it It was Father's Day and my dad had to go to work early. And I was like, I don't know, I don't usually eat breakfast that early. But we can can do it, we could try. Would you believe I could eat? And then I had fuel. And then I realized, eating is not something you do to replenish yourself, but to keep yourself in sustenance, right? And like, mm-hmm. keep going and to have fuel. Not something you do at E. And so, um, yeah, that was the loud part. And the Yale was, when I had to navigate my spine pain. Um, So I've had spinal surgery twice in the past 10 months now. Um, But before that I was having a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty. And then I was told that surgery would probably be the best route. I wanted to do physical therapy at first because I was really concerned about it. And it wasn't until after a week of being on my floor that I literally like cried out and prayed and said, I don't want to know pain intimately anymore. Mm. So that was the last sensation that I knew no longer served me in that capacity, like to ignore it. Um, it brought me healing, so I'm thankful. But to like have it in my top five, uh uh-uh, you got to go. We're gonna save you for when I stub my toe. Like, I, I'm not. I'm not doing this anymore. So, me saying, like, less pain. It just. It. It has really been a a net to all of the things: employment, mental health, intimate relationships, friendships, family relationships, um, in in community, even. Um, and so that means I'm listening to myself, my body, and how I respond when I'm in community with somebody, the work I'm doing in my nine to five, what I feel like you know, publishing on Chakra Quan, all of those things
0: again, you be saying something right? <laughs> and then i be like i gotta i I, do, I keep putting the pen up, but then I gotta keep bringing the pen back so I don't forget. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing um, sharing all of that I I really appreciate the whisper like the command the louder part the yell and like Mm -hmm. the the intensity Mm -hmm. of all of those things you said so much I want to go back and just ask you to talk a little bit more because I know you were like okay we're gonna go here and we're gonna bring it back but I'm like wait a minute
1: (laughs) We we ain't got
0: to bring it back that fast. We got time because there are so many people who really don't understand the role of cortisol. And so I'm going to say a little bit, and then I'm just going to lob it over to you to talk about what you were talking about. So there are some people who are out here really saying, I want a stress-free life. And I'm telling Mm -hmm. people, no, you don't. Because cortisol is a stress hormone. And when it is released, it wakes you up in the morning right i know you thought it was your alarm clock or whatever right like it is it is the it is the chemical in our inside of us that whoop, it wakes us up right and it is a stress chemical so we don't need a stress free life we don't want to be in toxic stress right mm-hmm. but stress is the mechanism for learning for growing for all mm-hmm. of that stuff mm-hmm. and what happens when a person has experienced a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. is cortisol which is which is gonna it's it's an alerting um chemical that alerts you it allows you to focus like it Mm -hmm. does so many wonderful things what it also does is it helps us to be aware of our surroundings so that we can be safe survive avoid pain the whole thing Mm -hmm. but when you think about people who have experienced a lot of trauma they are full of cortisol because Mm -hmm the brain is like we need to be aware of everything that's going on we can't rest no 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 we can't chill we can't let it down we can't let our guard down because we never know when something is going to come to hurt us you know it it might be profoundly visible in um uh uh combat vets Mm-hmm. right there is this sense of nothing is safe because they have literally been in a war zone how you just gonna come back and be like oh everything is okay but some of our some of our childhoods were war zones yeah mm. Some of our church experiences were war zones. Some Mm. of our relationships were war zones. Mm. And so in the individual war zones that we go through, cortisol can, can just surge constantly through our bodies so that we are aware of everything that's happening so we can stay alive, stay safe, avoid pain, not repeat past things right and so cortisol right super simplistic if you're interested more look like look it's no shortage of information out there but when you were talking about the relationship to your body via the messaging you got through food and your size mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then realizing now that cortisol plays a role in that but everybody is still trying to manage our plates manage our mm-hmm. intake manage mm-hmm. our bodies can you please talk some more about that
1: it is the journey I'm currently on. Um, it with even more transparency. Hormones also play a really big pack uh, uh, p- play a really big factor into cortisol and your relationship with that. Um, so, having an amazing holistic care team now from OBGYN, gyn PCP, um, dentistry, even right. Like I'll give a, a really great example. Um, of cortisol and hormone imbalance for myself and how, how all those things relate. Um, as someone who has had heavy cycles my whole life, um, I recently found out that there was some like hormone imbalancing balancing thyroid things. And um, my OBGYN has now given medicine to balance those hormones. The symptoms of that high hormone was everything I've ever experienced my whole life and thought was normal. Depression, weight gaining, you name it, like all of the things. Right. And so since I've been experiencing, you know, the proper health with that since then, I've noticed how my life in my physical body, as well as my mental health has really started to change. Like I have had moments where I'm like, is this what it feels like not to be depressed for a day or anxious? Like, this Mm -hmm. um and the fact of the matter like heavy cycles and being anemic having low iron how that relates with those things so then I'm also tired from that and you're not gonna believe it my dentist right was like well you know you seem to floss you do this and that and so I'm, I'm not sure why there's this brittling and like you know like dental health having low iron affects literally your teeth so if that never got discovered, I would have issues in all three of those aspects. And then all of those aspects would be causing me stress, putting out even more cortisol.
0: And you will be blamed for it. Yes. Right. And, of and they would be viewed as character deficits, lack of... Uh, what's the word they like to use? Like self-control, like all these things, yeah. right? Well, just oh, yeah. take care of your teeth, just eat better, just exercise, right? Which, mm-hmm. okay, I, I feel the passion rise and I'm gonna take a deep breath. Oh no. Ooh, because I can get really round up yeah. because again, within these systems that we are living under, it's, yeah. it's, it's coming back to why as a mental health therapist, I refuse to diagnose. Mm. Which goes to why I don't take insurance. Insurance requires a diagnosis Mm. in order to refund, you know, to to fund payment for service. And I refuse to diagnose because the DSM Mm. says you're the problem and I'm saying no the systems are the problem and everything you're experiencing is your brain and body's collaboration to help you navigate these really fucked up systems. And so I won't diagnose, but that comes back to the same thing that you go in. And one of the things that will be said to a fat black woman so many times is, oh, you need to lose weight. And there's no talk into all, none of it, right? Because the 7.5 minutes you get, with the doctor doesn't allow the space for that, which leads into one of the things I want to talk about that you said, which was, <clears throat> oh, I want to pick a, a little quick thing. You're talking about like, um, oh, I got to be starving to eat. One of the things I noticed that I did, and I was like, oh my God, I really do this. I would experience, <clears throat> excuse me, hunger. And then the first thing I do is go, well, when was the last time I ate? And then I'm calculating the time. <laughs> Well, that was just this time. So I I it it's, you know, or if I experience fatigue and tire and it's like, you know, and it's like, well, you woke up at it, like it was always trying to quantify
1: mm-hmm.
0: within the systems I've been taught. And I mm-hmm. I wish I could find this TikTok video. I'm not even on there, hardly ever. But this one came up and I was like, ooh. And it talked about this idea of three meals a day coming yeah. with colonization. Right. Coming over and then fitting in. And it just it made me so mad (laughs) because I'm like everything comes back to it. But this idea that now even our doctors and medical professionals are saying, right, three meals a day and this, this, this. So we are just not taught Mm -hmm. that our bodies are actually resourced enough. Babies get it. Go ahead and tell that newborn they need to eat three times a day. Ah! I dare you. Go ahead. Go ahead and tell that newborn it ain't lunchtime. Go ahead and tell your cat that it ain't breakfast time. Go ahead because that 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 newborn comes out and it's like, "I'm hungry when I'm hungry, right? i I, I need food when I need mm. food. And then we get socialized and deconditioned out of trusting our bodies when an infant has no choice but to trust their body and hope that there are adults around that will meet the need, mm. right. And so, yeah, so I just wanted to make a pit stop there that I had to be like, "Girl, yeah. I don't care if you ate ten minutes ago or if it was fine. Like, can I learn to take the shackles off of my body that have been put there and just trust that it knows how to keep itself alive? It knows mm-hmm. what it needs. And, okay, so, okay. so so many you gonna have to come back because we I'm just saying already it's just, <laughs> <laughs> but can we talk Except. about pain? pain when you so okay I, I usually like to tell folks how I know the guest right and Q and I um I feel like it sounds like we've been kicking it for a really long time right <laughs> vibing yeah Q and I met once <laughs> <laughs> um but it was like that instant knowing like yeah <clears throat> yeah we need to be connected in a different way and so again previous guest Sarah Buffy she's a great connector this connects folks, and you know the wonderful work she does through Soulbird. She had a gathering, right, of just like Soulbird affiliated folk. <laughs> like if you if you do work with the like let's come, let's have this gathering, this cookout, let's just kick it, and we did. And that's where I met Quinita, and <laughs> like instantly was like, ah, sis is dope, right? <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, this was either directly before or after. One this of the was surgeries, right before right.
1: the second surgery, so I was healing from the first one, and then a month later, I had to have the second surgery.
0: So in the midst of this this medical surgical journey is when I met you, and you said that statement then, and it it I don't know that it'll mm-hmm. ever cease to send shockwaves through my body, which is I no longer want to know into uh pain intimately, and it was like ooh right. And then I've been thinking, since you said it again this time, about how counterintuitive that is mm-hmm. for so many people, particularly mm-hmm. Black femme presenting folk, mm-hmm. because it it's almost like from cons- from from birth, probably mm-hmm. conception, we are taught that pain is part of the journey. Mm-hmm. Pain is part of the journey. I almost lost my mind the other day when I heard my seven-year-old daughter say, beauty is pain. And I said, whoa, pause, time out. Um, where'd you hear that? Damn you, YouTube. I don't know what's happening. No, no, it's not. Like, <laughs> you know, now to her point, she yeah. went on to talk about like the hair process for us is not fun. It is a minimum of five hours per child i have three kids one of them optional i'm like bro you're gonna have to grow that fro out for now because these other two is taken right so the washing the detangling it's it's not it's a time-consuming process and sometimes some pain is involved and so she mentioned that and i was Mm -hmm. like i hear your point but baby you're beautiful regardless of what your hair is doing regardless Mm -hmm. of the styling right Mm -hmm. so there's that there's this understanding that love hurts Mm. you know if we ain't in the struggle love, then it ain't real love, my mm. rider died you know and then look at the statistics, the the um the mortality rate of of black women birthing because yep. they don't believe like there there are still research that goes on that said current, medical students not medical students in the 60s the 70s the 80s. current medical students have a bias that black women or black people experience pain have a higher pain tolerance yeah and so we're not believed when we talk about our pain our physical pain when we talk about our emotional pain we need to suck it up we need to stop caring what people think about all of these different things if that is the messaging that we receive constantly why would we trust our own why would we not go like well this is just part of the process and so working with um a holistic holistic health team you know I um know some gynecologists some people who work in um sex therapy and the constant Mm. conversations around like the folks who don't know for one intercourse is not supposed to hurt well don't know because we ain't talking about it Right, mm-hmm. we're we're not talking about these things that people who take years, decades, even to get diagnosed, to know about fibroids, to know about M- uh, endometriosis, endometriosis, and all of these things, because mm-hmm. I just have a heavy cycle, and that's what it is. Be because it it's like so pain and inconvenience. Mm-hmm. It's like the basket that some people get wrapped at birth and go here. You go do with it what you will and until we start having these conversations and until we don't think the flex and the thing is building around withstanding the pain and actually saying I don't want to be in an intimate relationship with pain every day of my life we're going to continue to live this way thinking this is just how it has to be so Mm -hmm. kudos to you you for having a moment to go yeah I don't this, want I did. This. this is not it how do you feel like talk to us a little bit about establishing that holistic team because you said that i'm like i just yeah what
1: um so i will say it kind of comes with like a little a little travel so i understand it's not as accessible to certain folks which goes and talk about how difficult it is for Black people to have a holistic team, right? Um, my PCP is still in my hometown. I love her. I will make that trip. Um, I have, you know, like a nurse practitioner up here that is in the network of where my, my surgery was. Um, all right, but there's some microaggressions mm-hmm. there. Um, the OBGYN and network, amazing. You know, I'm, I'm somebody once again if you have time to look through things and you have that capacity looking at people's reviews you know looking at what their practice and their passion is um and you know finding a black woman ogb what am i saying ob ob g y n okay cuz i'm like she a og triple og uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: um
1: yeah she was just like not playing with me, you know, and also just, like, had a very safe space for me because someone who has a history of, like, sexual assault, I, you know, would sometimes be, like, uncomfortable going Mm -hmm. to the OBGYN office, right? And she made it very safe. And I expressed that to her, and she was grateful to hear that, so that reinforced that passion that I read on her profile. Um, The dentist I had was actually, like, um my old co-worker's um husband so it was kind of like you got into that little network you know like I didn't know people were still calling a dentist like on the weekend if they took her you know or they called a check-in after you get your wisdom teeth out I'm like I've been tapped into some kind of <laughs> secret society here okay <laughs> what um so yeah no he's he's really great and he's in my hometown too so Um, All of these things are working together really well. Um, I'm hoping to get them more accessible in the town that I'm in now. But, you know, for the meanwhile, I'm very, very pleased, very happy. And um, I think it, it really hit home when I was getting my surgery and I went from care at one place to another entity, and they were the first ones to give me pain medicine. Because I was in the ER and my body, which I now know is my nervous system, was shaking, trembling. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't know, sometimes that just happens when I just have like a really bad pain on my back. And the lady said to me, your nervous system is trying to cope with the pain. And yeah, because to your point, the statistic of thinking black bodies have a higher pain tolerance
0: and
1: we could go on a whole other tangent about, you know, yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to say if y'all it. Y'all <laughs> can see the non-verbals that we have going on right now, which you won't see. It's a lot, you know, <laughs> Q you just said something and it brought back this memory. And like every time I try to push it away, like I can't, so I'm going to say it mm-hmm. and it, Oh, like I, I, oof, I feel it. Um, and it's it's crazy that I, I don't think about this moment often, mm-hmm. but when my, when my husband's mother, whom I call mom, whom I love so much, mm-hmm. um, was going through the end of her life. She had stage four cancer and mm-hmm. I remember being in a training, facilitating a training when she had fallen. And I got the news and they're like, you don't need to come right now. Like, there's nothing you can do. EMS is coming to take her to the hospital. So I I get through that part of the training. I leave early. I get down to the hospital. Um, She's in the hospital. And, you know, there's a bunch of us there with her, but it's like an ER. So, right, we're not back there with her. Only a few of us can go back at a time. Mm -hmm. And she was in so much pain. Mm -hmm. And... It's not because she can she's saying I'm in pain, but like she had internalized that like build around the pain thing. So one, if she's going to say she's in pain, she's in pain. Okay. And and then there's this, this thing. And what she had expressed to us was that like, she didn't want to die at home is what she said. And so if she knew she was going to die, she wanted to go to like a, a different place. And when she started asking to go to that place, God. that started letting me know how much, right? And all this. And I'm 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 again, I'm trying to hold on to every piece of my prefrontal cortex that I can. I'm trying to be composed. <laughs> I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to God. do all these things. And my sister, one of my sister-in-laws, lives out of the country. I'm on the phone with her. And she asked a question that I just would not have thought to ask. And she said, Well, have they given her any pain meds? Mm. And there was the doctor in there. And and, and and why didn't I think to answer that question? Because how could you not? And when that doctor told me that my beloved had been there for hours and hours, and they had not given her any pain medication, I don't know. I, I dissociated. Oh, 100%. Because I didn't I didn't know what to feel more the anger or the 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 like rage the shame that I felt that I hadn't hadn't asked. And so when she finally got medicine guess what she wanted to go home. Mm. But it's like that just came back to me as you were talking right that this this notion that I don't know. That that's just, oh, just deep breath. deep breath,
1: deep breath, deep breath.
0: So this idea, this older black woman who is in excruciating in excruciating pain, yeah, did not receive adequate care,
1: right,
0: right, is an everyday reality for so many people. Yeah. And this idea that there are places where people will prioritize helping us understand our bodies. It is a real thing. The challenge is when they are 45 minutes away. It builds in do you have the privilege of transportation? Do yeah. you have the privilege of certain kinds of insurances? Do you yeah. have the privilege of time to do the research? And yeah. and so many of us don't. Well, I no. do want to encourage to say like there are folks out there Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's why the word of mouth, I love being a part of certain groups, right? (laughs) Since fatty is a group that I'm part of and like people will drop in there like, hey, you know, OBGYN recommendations, Waxer Mm -hmm. recommendation. But see, the thing is, if you don't experience the right. stigma and the trauma of fat phobia on a regular basis, you just think you can just go anywhere and buy anything. If right. you're traveling and they lose your luggage, well, you just go to wherever and buy. Everyone doesn't have that privilege. So there are groups where you can ask these questions, where people have vetted, people have experienced, and we share that information. So if any part of this is coming up, you're like, I need some fine community. Yeah find community to say here's the thing where can I go see a hairstylist who who has a chair that I will fit comfortably in Mm. and is is it's not going to be stigmatized right all of these things Mm -hmm. don't take for granted all the things that you encounter on a regular basis that just come with ease that everyone is experiencing that Mm -hmm. across the board but this idea of pain Mm -hmm. that so many of us are taught and and when I say taught sometimes it's explicit, but a lot of times we just absorb Mm -hmm. this understanding that life is going to hurt. Mm -hmm. And so I don't talk about it. I don't ask questions about it. I don't ask for relief because I either don't know that it exists or I don't think I deserve it. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'm so grateful that you're an example of someone who at some point said, this ain't it.
1: Yeah. Thank you. While you were talking, something came really clear And I wanted to say this kind of as like the parting words. Sometimes that community, that pain-free community, starts with someone who can facilitate a safe space for me, myself, and I. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to explore any of these things if I didn't have the safe rebuilding space of trust with myself. Um, Amazing therapist. To, she did telehealth with me before COVID, during COVID, still now. Um, and that helped me build a lot of my trust with myself. And that even, I'm gonna say this, repair my trust with my inner child with myself. Mm. Yes. Because I had a therapy session where I was like, "I'm, I'm having a block right now. And when I went inside, my inner child was like, I don't trust you
0: girl that's so real like when i am talking to folks holding space whether it's individual or collective and i talk about our inner child work it is a relationship just like every other relationship Mm -hmm. and trust has to be established Mm -hmm. and so when i talk about conscious relationship agreements Mm -hmm. i define that as everyone being able to show up as their authentic self and what are the conditions needed to do so. And and having these discussions in every relationship that we have, that includes our relationship with ourselves, with our littles, with our parts. And as mm-hmm. I am saying to my parts, hey, when I'm in the middle of a session or I'm holding space, please don't arrest my breath. Please don't stop me from breathing. Please mm-hmm. don't send intrusive thoughts while mm-hmm. I'm holding space. I asked them to do that as their end of the bargain. But what's my responsibility? I got to check in. So what I do is I say, and if you can hold on to that until I'm not holding space for someone else, what I'm promising you is that I'm going to take that time after these sessions or speeches, whatever I'm doing, and I'm Mm going to come and I'm going to say, how y'all doing? What do you need? The only way that I can ask them to hold up their end of the bargain is if I hold up mine. And it was a trust exercise it was a relationship that had to build in that teenage part of mine she is something else and she she you know she was what i thought was my adult self for a really long time woo, woo. uh-huh and so and she was adult of five woo. exactly And she came like, I don't know where you come from, but I've been holding this down very well for a long time now. No, thank you. Don't need your help. And this is what, whether it's your child or my inner children, I don't argue with teenagers. I negotiate, right? I don't argue with teenagers. I negotiate. Mm. And when I had to let her know, I'm not putting you out of work. You just was doing a job that should have never been yours in the first Mm -hmm. place. And I'm sorry. And it was about a year Mm. of constant work where one day something came up. And one of my younger littles was gonna, and she was like, Shonda got it. And it was like, oh, it was that final stamp of approval from (sighs) the most resistant. And I understand her resistance part of me that wanted to hold control and now she'd be like that ain't my job <laughs> that sounds like some adult stuff over there so I'm gonna let you go ahead for the most part but you are so right it is trust can we trust ourselves trust that and would say the body don't lie but it's not always correct right mm-hmm. so then we got to go okay I feel the sensation that sensation is connected to a historical experience not right now but I can't just ignore it I got to validate it. I got to sit with it. The relationship with self is one of the most fulfilling and necessary relationships that we can have. And if you were like me and spent your whole life externalizing relationship, it can be it can be a challenge to turn that in, but it it's it's so worth it. So to your point, like the places and communities that can be the most beneficial for our health are the ones that create the space and nurture us being able to do that internal mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, we could talk, like, I feel like I asked you two girl. So she'll be back y'all. But <laughs> or for this moment, is there anything we didn't touch on or talk about? Well, tell us about Chaka uh, Kwan. I definitely want you to tell us oh, about that and just any last words for folks as we start to wrap up.
1: Um. Okay. So, Chakra Kwan, um, is my my space that I tap into when I feel like, you know, I want to facilitate a space for healing. I want to facilitate a space for community care, and I want to have the healing space for healers, and they ultimately have it in their own hands. Like, I come from a place, a school of thought, of peer support, of lived experience of not having someone save you but you save you and so it's just kind of like me sharing wisdoms words and truth with others so I have a website where I do offer one-to-one services they can range from crystal card readings um, that will give you insights for example let's say we pull rose quartz and so maybe that's a conversation about inner child come on come on someone Okay, Um, and then we also have various things about like, what does self-care look like for you? Not in the sense of it being your sole responsibility because community care, right, is what's gonna get us through, but how do we deepen that intimacy of self on the wheel of things, you know, personal, professional, all of those things. Um, And so then on my Instagram are just like little tidbits of healing I've shared. Or a little laughter because that's a big part of my healing journey. Um, and so my Instagram is Chakra underscore quan, And my website is one word, dot com.
0: I love it. So <laughs> obviously we're going to have that information in the show notes for y'all to, you know, definitely follow on Instagram, uh, take a look at our website and just realize that, Um, one of the biggest myths that is flowing through all the systems that we're engaging is that you do it alone.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: We don't do it alone. Mm -mm. And that's no different from our, our health, you know, our healing, justice, liberation, all of that will be done when we can come together. And as long as there's these systems that keep telling us to strive and divide, Mm -hmm. then the systems will prevail. So um, part of gathering a community is utilizing some of these people I'm bringing on here and be like, "Mm, let me reach out. Right. Um, So I hope that folks would do that. Juanita, I am just so grateful that you took the time to share yourself with me and my listeners and your journey and just so grateful for you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here. Um, I just want to say to your last point, like healing doesn't happen in isolation either. So get that community, get that community. And if you are a healer, somebody doing healing work, don't be ashamed to heal in front of people. That's something I do on Chakra corn, okay? You don't know. Um, And the last tidbit is like, do we see how this conversation just like, ebbed and flowed right to the place we needed to be. The, the first words I talked about was like, taking care of myself to take care of the wounds of the world. And that was essentially your last words. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the negotiation with myself and this is what I'm gonna do afterwards to meet my needs. And so, like, let that be your takeaway, let yourself get curious about that. And also trust that the universe understands the process better than we ever could. Right.
0: I love that. Thank you so, so, so much. Listen, y'all, um, I want to give my usual shout out to Jay Sugg from Instant Classic Media, my producer, um, the person who supplies all the music for the Labors of Love, my nephew, Train Angel, and y'all always know I shout out my listeners. Listen, I love y'all. Like I say, it's not a radio station. You can't just stumble across it and leave it on by mistake. Like y'all <laughs> intentionally come on to listen. Um, and I hope that is as nurturing for you as it is for me. Um, if you haven't hit up the Patreon yet, please go over and consider supporting the work that I do that cost you nothing but cost me a lot. Um, not to mention that there is a lot of Patreon-specific content that comes out, and it is too good for so few people to be engaged in it. Like, it's some really good stuff over there. I'm um, on all the, all the major social media outlets. If you got uh, suggestions for content or guests, hit up um my website if you go down on the welcome page there's a place for you to enter all that in if you haven't given us that five star rating what are you waiting for can you go ahead and do that like right now (laughs) go ahead and write a review share the podcast with your loved ones and your friends until we connect again you all be well